On today's show, we recap the next to the last final preseason game for the Charlotte Hornets. To the fondest of farewells to our boy Andrew Andrews, bring in Charlotte legend Richard Walker to get his thoughts on the upcoming season. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. Let go. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked on Hornets, brought to you this wonderful Friday morning by SeatGeek, the easiest way to buy tickets online. Download the SeatGeek app and use our promo code LOHORNETS to get $20 off your first purchase. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. I'm Doug Branson, joined by David Walker, who is still dealing with the release of Andrew Andrews. How you holding up, Sport? Need a hug? You know, some weeks, Doug... uh... There's ups, there's downs, and then you just get a gut punch. And um, that's what we're dealing with now for our guy, Andrew Andrews. And that one hurts. Uh, this is it's communal. Let's, let's talk this through. You, let's work this through together. You fall in love with guys that are that are on the training camp roster, that get the invite, and, and you want to believe that, that they're going to be around forever. But nothing, nothing is forever, David. Nothing stays nothing gold. Nothing is forever. You ever have one of those like summertime, you know, little crushes, girlfriends at the mm-hmm. beach or at the lake or wherever you went? I mean, that's yeah, kind of like kinda they the never they had. never liked me back, but yes, I understand what you're. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll have more on Andrew Andrews' release in a bit, so stay tuned for that. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On NBA just uh, finished up their preview series, short previews of each team with commentary from host. David Locke with the preseason winding down. It's a great way to get acquainted with every single NBA team. So head over to iTunes and search for Locked on NBA and listen to that when you get a chance. All right, let's start in Charlotte where the Hornets get their third straight preseason win. This one over the Miami Heat, 96 to 88. The Hornets moved to three and three on the preseason. But more importantly, we all move one step closer to the preseason being over. Kimball Walker had 17.6 assists and four rebounds. Frank Kaminsky, starting in place of the injured Marvin Williams, continued a really good preseason so far. 16 points and six rebounds on 6 of 11 shooting. Nick Batum shooting yeah. 50% from the field, but 0 of 3 from beyond the arc. He finishes with 14 points, five rebounds, two assists. On the Hornets' side of things, I think the big story is probably the fact that the Hornets' shooting finally started to come around. They shot over 40% for the game and uh, shot pretty well from beyond the arc as well. So that's good to see, David, because they have struggled to shoot the basketball so far in this preseason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shooting, you know, Doug, some may say it's overrated. I disagree. It's very important <laughs> to score. I really feel like this three-pointer um, yeah. is making a comeback. <laughs> I really feel like it's here to stay, Doug. So that's a good thing to see. And you mentioned Frank. I mean, that's a guy we've been talking about a lot. And he did start. Did you see any difference or effectiveness early on in his play kind of compared to the rest of the preseason when he was coming off the bench? Um, well, you know, he has more space to shoot. I think that's the big thing. Yeah. You know, he, he's got a little bit more room to, to maneuver. But I really liked – actually, I really liked the combo of Frank Kaminsky and Roy Hibbert playing together because both of those guys – not many people know this, but Roy Hibbert can get down the court. He's not a, he's not a plotter. He's not someone that, that takes a while to get back. 
And uh, Frank Kaminsky and Roy Hibbert did a great job of passing to one another. And they did a great job of getting back and, and beating their guys back. So I like that combo in small doses. Uh, but I think the issue comes, you know, we've seen a lot this preseason where the team will have to switch Roy Hibbert off of a, of a center like Al Horford or, so, or any kind mm-hmm. of uh, center that can stretch the floor. And they've been able to use Marvin on that, on that player and, and be okay. I don't think, you know, Frank Kaminsky has that same defensive ability that Marvin Williams does. So I like that yeah. combo, but in small doses. Yeah, I was going to say, wouldn't it be awesome if Frank did have that defensive athletic ability to keep up with those guys, those, you know, those stretch forces, <laughs> then it'd be perfect. But that's going to be a struggle for him. And luckily they do have Marvin who can fill in there a lot. But man, it would be nice if Frank could help you out there. Yeah, the Marvin injury, he broke or has a fracture in the uh, uh, middle finger of his left hand, and that's what held him out of this game. But uh, all signs point to him being ready for October 26th opening night for the Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets led this one by as much as 20 points in the first half, but they were outscored by nine points in the third quarter. Another slow second half start for the Hornets. Here's Nick Batum on the main problem in the second half. Yeah, just energy. You know, we got to do like, if we can be all like MKG. <laughs> We'd be great on defense. Uh, no, we let too many rebounds, especially in second half, and we can't let Big Roy by himself or the big guy by himself again or anybody else. So we just got to stick at the team, stick together. There you go, stick together. If we could all just be like MKG, David, the world right. I mean, I was going to say, would be that, a better place. That funny? <laughs> if everyone just played like MKG, I'm thinking maybe 82 wins, but uh, that's you know, that's hard to do. He's a special guy. But, hey, Doug, I wanted to ask you about something because I did was able to tune in for a little bit of this game. was not on TV that I know of. was streaming. Um, but I, I, I tuned in, and MKG was playing with uh, the second unit there. Um, did I hear that correctly? And, and if so, how did, how did you see that? He, he, was, he, he was playing with the second unit, and, in fact, he was playing in a small lineup. I want to really dig into mm-hmm. this. Uh, yeah. really dig deep into this because uh, Steve Clifford had some comments about this after the game. But first, I want to tell you about a great offer from our friends at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in Spectrum Center, in the arena for the biggest plays of the year. The Kimball Walker killer crossovers, the Frank Kaminsky dunks, the Roy Hibbert blocks. He had three blocks in this past game. That's his second straight three-block game. (laughs) Yeah, that too. It's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's, it's by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and a few taps later, I can instantly find seats for uh, the, you know this coming weekend or or the, uh, the the start of the season. Any game this season, I can find them quick. The tickets show right up on my phone and scan, and I'm in the arena. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. No worries, just great seats at great prices. Best of all, our hardcore Hornets fans get a $20 rebate off their first purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOHORNETS, that's L-O-HORNETS. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOHORNETS today. All right, let's talk about this small lineup. So it was Ramon Sessions, Marco Bellinelli, Jeremy Lamb, MKG at the four, 
and Spencer mm-hmm. Hawes playing center. Uh, they were playing around with it, I imagine, because A, they yeah. didn't have Marvin Williams, and B, Miami did not play a majority of their main rotation players. So there was some room to sure. experiment in this game. But yeah, we, they featured it at the uh, end of the first quarter, and they maintained that lineup through the beginning of the second quarter. But again, you're, you had MKG going up against O'Carroll White. So... You know, the the competition right. was not comparable to what you would see, but we don't often see these type of small lineups. You know, the, people call them death lineups. I don't know if you would call this a death lineup because it mainly featured reserve players. It's like sort of death's younger brother, Carl, or something. I don't know. Uh, It'd be like, yeah, like a, like a bad cold or like a, like a headache. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, just a real, like a migraine lineup. Um, because it did, you know, it did give Miami problems at times. Uh, Steve Clifford was asked about how this small ball lineup played, and here's what he had to say. In the first half, it was only okay, you know what I mean? Um, in the second half, I'll have to watch. You know, I mean, we got tattooed on the glass when those guys were in there. So, you know, I think offensively it was fine, but it's, you know, I didn't think it was great. Doesn't mean, I mean, we'll do that sometimes, but... You know, my thing about playing him at the four is, is what's the difference between playing him at the four and Marvin at the four? That's what I told him today. We are talking about it. You, what you want to do is get your best five guys out there that play well together. They'll be two of those five guys. So it doesn't really matter who's the three, who's the four. So he can play the three some, but I mean, four some, but Marvin's going to play the four. Frank's going to play the four. So, um, you know, he's going to play more at the three. So there's uh, Steve Clifford talking about this small ball lineup. <laughs> David didn't sound like uh, he was too crazy about it. <laughs> wasn't too thrilled with the effort on or no, the results on the glass, I could say. So not a good time for that uh, lineup, seeing a lot of light of day, I would say, if uh, the, the results from the backboard are, are going to be like that. But, I mean, I was I kind of like that. I, I, honestly, it's it kind of – maybe it's just the newness. Maybe it's, it's sexy. Maybe it's something slick, something cool, something neat. That, uh, that we haven't seen before, but MKG has a four with those other guys on there. Uh, I mean, it's intriguing, and it's cool that they played around with it. It's the perfect time to do it. But, you know, if you have Hawes out there and you're not getting those rebounds, then I don't see that playing out a ton. Yeah, I mean, there were some, there were some advantages to having that lineup out there. It was a lot of quickness. MKG was able yeah. to beat the defense back in transition several times. But as Clifford points out, there is a strong rebounding advantage. It's easy to counteract that. Now, I think it's it's good to experiment with it because you could see it situationally down the line. But I don't think that Clifford is trying to develop. And I think he is a he's he's very much in that mold that he just said of putting the best five players that you can put at a given time out on the floor and less with you know messing around with sort of experimental death lineups but I get we that was probably the question I was asked most when I made the rounds on different podcasts previewing the Charlotte Hornets will we see MKG at the four and over and over I said when you think about it it makes sense because MKG can guard fours and he gives you you know you can get a little smaller but then when you continue to think about it and you you think, well, MKG doesn't consistently hit the three, so he's not going to stretch the floor as much as a guy like Marvin Williams. And, and, and then when you continue to continue to think about it, Steve Clifford has said over and over, MKG will play the three, Marvin plays the four, 
the five best guys, those type of things. I kept telling people, don't expect it, don't expect it. And he throws it out there in the preseason. But again, I wouldn't get too excited about that particular small ball lineup. Maybe another one comes along, but that one uh, did not work out as well for for the Charlotte Hornets. So uh, one more thing to point out from this game, I thought uh, Nick Batum did a great job of posting up at the elbow with his turnaround shot. Uh, we saw glimpses of it last year, but I think I feel like he's employed it more this preseason. Maybe it's something, again, you're looking for ways to get consistent two-point offense when when uh, you don't have as many shooters on the floor, that you know, if, if Nick Batum leaks into the second unit, that could be a way because that that turnaround jump shot, while it may look difficult, Nick Batum has almost mastered it. So it could be a way to get some consistent offense when when you're a little out of rhythm. Uh, so maybe look to see more of that uh, often, more often this season. Okay, so again, the Hornets get their third uh, preseason win. They've got one more game, one more preseason game. They play that tonight. They they basically left uh, Charlotte immediately and went to Minnesota where they'll take on the Wolves that game at 8 o'clock p.m. and you can watch it on NBA TV. I would not expect to see a little like Miami played uh, last night's game. That's probably how the Hornets approach this last game getting a lot of reserves in as they look to make their final cuts and get the roster down to 15. Speaking of getting that roster down to 15, a little news to report here on that front. The first cut or first release made by the Charlotte Hornets. This was first reported by Oliver Maroney of Basketball Insiders, later confirmed by the Hornets camp invite. Andrew Andrews has been released by the team. The six foot two undrafted guard out of Washington showed flashes of excellent athleticism and scoring in the limited time that he was able to be out there in the preseason. And according to head coach Steve Clifford, he is going to look to pursue an opportunity in Europe. And so the team made the decision to go ahead and release him and let him do that. Uh, so a lot of fans hoping that he would make it over to the Greensboro Swarm. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. The Hornets roster now down to 18. They have to get that number down to 15 by opening night. And this particular instance, a lot of people had questions about what would happen to Andrews before the news about Europe came out. We got a question about this on Twitter from Philip. Philip asks... What's the process for signing a waived player to a D-League contract? Does every team have a shot at him like in the MLB or the NFL? Thanks for the question, Philip. Great question. Remember, if you have a Hornets question, anything that you want to ask, you can tweet it to us on Locked on, on Twitter at Locked on Hornets or email it to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. So here's the deal. This answer comes courtesy of AtTheHive.com's new D-League expert, Joshua Cornelison, who will be covering the Greensboro Swarm this season for At The Hive. Because the Hornets released Andrews before the deadline, if they release anyone before the deadline uh, for final rosters, which is uh, October 25th, 26th, you know, before the season begins, they have the option to assign that player to the Greensboro Swarm. Otherwise, he would hit waivers. If no one claims him on waivers, he would then become an unrestricted free agent. The Hornets can designate up to four training camp or preseason cuts to the Greensboro Swarm. Now, once that player, if they cut a player and they decide to designate him to the Greensboro Swarm, once he's there, he's up for grabs for any NFL or any NBA team to call that player up because the Hornets, by cutting that player, release their rights. So if they sent a player that's under contract for the season to the Greensboro Swarm, the rest of the NBA hands off. 
if they cut a player and designate that player to the Greensboro Swarm, that any team can come and and call that player up. But the Green, but the Hornets have full control of how the players in the Greensboro Swarm organization play, who plays, for how long, et cetera, et cetera. So if we're clear on all that, we'll go ahead and move on. Yeah, sure. Great explanation there. Great question, because obviously I, I have the same one. Great. All right. So preseason giving us a lot of questions, but also giving us a lot of information about the players and the teams as a whole. And there are a lot of storylines already brewing in the minds of fans, but also people that cover the team. Richard Walker joined me in studio in the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte to talk about some of those storylines. Let's take a listen. Richard Walker, writer for the Gaston Gazette, smart guy, Hornets historian, been around this team for a very long time. Let's take a listen. What What are the the two or three major storylines that you're seeing around the organization right now? Well, can Roy Hibbert return to to you know All NBA defensive status? I think they're hopeful. It'll be curious to see how that goes. Certainly, uh, Patrick Ewing has had some had success with Al Jefferson in recent years. He's no longer here. Hibbert seems to be more of a uh, Ewing type player. Certainly on the defensive side, maybe not on offensive side, but. Can he get maximum effort and productivity, I guess, more importantly, out of him? Um, I think they feel like the defense will be pretty good because I think they're looking at the the reinsertion of Michael Kidd-Gilchrist into the lineup, hopefully a healthy Michael Kidd-Gilchrist as kind of – you know, like a free agent addition, yeah. because he missed all but I think six or seven games. How many? How few a games he played a year ago, and they did well defensively without him. And I think anybody that watches the Hornets or has watched the Hornets in recent years would target him as the top defender. And I still think that 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 is true. And and adding him only in help only enhances your defense. Yeah, Roy Hibbert's interesting because I, I think uh, part of the offensive ability of this Hornets team, at least early on. We've heard Clifford talk about how, at least early, the offense is going to have to sort of find its footing. I wonder how much of that has to do with getting Roy Hibbert involved in the offense and how much of the offensive focus goes to Roy Hibbert early on. It's probably a balance of all of a lot of things because to have a good defense, I think Coach Clifford, the thing that I'll give him the most credit for is there have been times where I've felt like they were almost, if this make to, to steal this cliche, they looked like a football team playing basketball in that they had a defensive lineup and an offensive lineup, and they were rarely the same. In fact, you could almost make the case, with the exception of maybe one or two players, it was five different players on defense, five different players on offense. Well, obviously, we know that's the way they may play football, but that's not how they play basketball. And I think kind of playing around with combinations and figuring out where are you soft on offense, where are you soft on defense with different lineup groupings is kind of what he's going to spend the preseason and perhaps, I would say, probably into the regular season trying to figure out. I mean, entering the last preseason game, they were last in the league and and three-pointers made per game, I believe, in the NBA and three-point percentage. Well, I would presume that number jumps, but that shows you kind of how out of sorts they are compared to what their identity was a year ago offensively. So, you know, obviously Steve Clifford's, background is that of a defensive guy. Well, okay, you get that satisfied, that maybe holds down the opponents, but you still ultimately have to score the ball to win games. And I think there is some tinkering left to be done. And, you know, you're right. I think getting Hibbert more offensively inclined would certainly help that because I do think if you're looking at them from afar, you'd say, well, of course, Roy Hibbert's the best defensive center they have. But 
you don't want to not have any. You want, you don't want to go zero. You don't want to not have any offensive capabilities out of that position. And I've got some concerns about this, the the lingering injury for Cody Zeller, the knee injury that he had that goes that goes back to Game Three of last year's playoff series loss to Miami, because Zeller. I think Zeller and Hibbert are a really good combination, I think, at center because they're different players. It's yeah. in the way that – and I think you and I have talked about this before, about how if you're going to go with an undersized point guard like Kemba, you need a Jeremy Lin. You need a Ramon Sessions, a bit of a change-up to be the backup to kind of give you some uh, – a difference, a variety to throw at the defense. All right, Richard Walker there from the Gaston Gazette joining us in studio. David, interesting things there. The big storylines for him, Roy Hibbert, and then balanced – play on offense and defense, do the Charlotte Hornets have the two-way play that they need to be successful this season? Yeah, and I think he hit on it at the end. I mean, you know, these concerns with Cody Zeller are starting to be real, and we've talked about how important that is. And he mentioned it too, right, the change-up that, that you have and different looks that you can give uh, between those two guys. And that's – I don't know about you, Doug. I mean, it is starting to be, become worrisome as this thing lingers on and as it's going to creep into the to the regular season. Well, they're definitely going to need Roy Hibbert to play well offensively, and I think last night's game gave you a little indication of sort of the good and the bad that comes with Roy Hibbert offensively. In the first half, he was uh, he did a great job with a couple of putbacks and offensive rebounds. He had seven offensive rebounds last night, 11 total rebounds, and uh, to go along with three assists and three blocks. So he affects the game in so many ways. He is a force on the court. Whenever, If you haven't had a chance to see him yet, I mean, he just affects the game in so many ways because of his size, whether it's you know setting a screen in the pick and roll or affecting the play around the rim. I mean, Miami was scared at times to drive the basketball when Roy Hibbert was around the paint. But offensively, yeah. he tried to take an active role in the second half. He, he had a hook shot go begging and then two straight jump shots. I think he airballed a 16-footer at one point along the baseline. And so you see when sometimes when he tries to take an active role on offense, it can negatively impact the team. They're not great. They're either not great looks or he just doesn't have the ability to hit that, you know, 16 foot baseline jumper. And, and that can be tough on the Hornets offense. So sort of a tale of two Roy Hibberts. Can he be we know he can do it around the boards and we know he can block shots, um, but can he be? a scoring factor on on a given night. doesn't have to be that night after night. That's what you have Nick Batum for. That's what you have Kimba Walker for. But sometimes you're going to need that interior offense. Can he deliver on that? That will be a big uh, linchpin, I think, in this season, at least uh, to begin. All right, that's all the time we have for this show. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks to Richard Walker for joining us. Follow him on Twitter at jrwalk twenty two. For more fantastic Hornets coverage, and thanks to our sponsor, SeatGeek, download the SeatGeek app on your phone and use our promo code LOHORNETS to get $20 off your first purchase. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnHornets, subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, please give us a five-star review, write us a little note, help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast, shoot us your Hornets questions, your thoughts, we'll answer them here on the show at, at Locked on Hornets on Twitter or buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com via email. We're back next week to get you ready for the Hornets regular season opener, which mercifully begins on Wednesday night. Don't miss a single show. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. 